and welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of PapaNewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Madam Nadia of MadamNadia.com in Chicago, Illinois. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Conjurman Ali of TheConjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California, bringing us today's topic on geomancy. Afterwards, we'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at form.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Cat and Madam Nadia. Miss Cat? Hi, Papa Newt. Well, uh, nice to hear your beautiful voice, so calm. I'm a little frantic. <laughs> we are broadcasting remotely from up in the uh, Sierra Nevada foothills <laughs> and uh, on um, very uh, tentative Wi-Fi with borrowed equipment. And so um, I hope you can all hear me. Uh, hope it's okay. Coming in loud and clear. <laughs> okay, yeah. great. All right. Well, um, we we are uh, on a little mini vacation visiting family, relatives, and uh, up here we get a little bit of smoke from the wildfires. Um, I have left the shop in good hands with um, Leslie Lowell in charge, and I hope they're doing well. And all the rest of the people at the shop, I hope they're doing well. Today is Max Jones's last day. She was a, a summer intern. We had a wonderful time with her, great worker, lovely young woman, talented as all get out. Um, I wish we could have just, like, you know, gone into breaking child labor laws and kept her forever, but she has to go back to school. <laughs> so so today is goodbye day to Max Jones, wonderful worker, really a, a lovely person who was um, highly skilled and will probably go on to a great career in something or other. And I just heard today she may come back and work for us during the holidays again because she likes the job and we like her. So that's the news that I have to report, not much, because um, I've been on the road. So um, how about you, Conjurman Ali? How are things in your world? Oh, well, wait a minute. No, I just missed that. <laughs> Conjurman Ali, Conjurman Ali is my guest. How about my co-host? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you see, you just get you get in a rut and you just say the same things. My co-host today is the lovely Madam Nadia, who has often been m- taken my place as my co-host when I'm on the road, but now she's my co-host and we're here together in some sort of strange electronic wonderland. How are things in the world, Madam? <laughs> Oh, the things in my world are absolutely great. I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, that this is kind of like, I like everybody, but this is my favorite fermentation. You and Kanjerman Ali together on the show. So I'm super, super excited. And even though I'm not at the Sierra Nevada Foothills, I'm here on my bed in my bedroom, but I'm pretty comfortable. I'm very grateful for it. So that's, um, that's very, very good. 
um, just been doing a lot of a lot of uh, readings and um, a lot of magical work. The retrograde planets have been kicking uh, some interesting butts. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been doing a lot of very, I have a lot of um, very interesting clients recently. Usually I do a lot of love work and grammar work and stuff like that. And I've been dealing with a lot of folks with either obsessions, addictions, or family of folks who are dealing with addictions. So I don't know if it's the astrological permutations or what, but it's it's very fascinating, and it's also very deep and heartfelt work and also been quite enlightening for me to understand the process of people that, let's say, try to break away from chains of alcoholism or drugs or something like that. So it's been quite a growing process, and I'm very, very grateful to uh, my clients who trust in me and also for the, um, you know, for the spirits that help me to support that process. So, yeah, a little intense, but that's sort of what's up with me. Well, I've been having a bunch of Mercury retrograde, too. Like I said, here I am with borrowed electronic equipment. That's about as retrograde as it gets. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a, it's what it is. We've also, we've, we've just been having a tremendous number of strange electronic things happening. But if I were to detail them, you'd all go, uh-huh, 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 because we've all lived that Mercury retrograde yep. life. It's a, what it is. Well, today we have as our guest the ever-charming and um, lovely Conjurman Ali. (laughs) (laughs) That's very kind. So so nice to have you as a guest on our show. Conjurman Ali, uh, and as you know, I always introduce my guest, Conjurman Ali comes to us from Southern California, where he is a reader and root worker, a longtime member of AIR, and uh, those of you who know him will know that he often does um, readings with geomancy, and that's going to be what we're going to discuss. But first, let's bring him on the show. Hi, Conjurman Ali. How are you doing today? Hello, hello. Thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, I'm doing great. It's kind of interesting to be on the other end of, of the radio show as a guest, so I'm looking forward to that and seeing how that will turn out. But I'm so excited to be joining uh, both of you lovely ladies, on this fine Sunday afternoon. <laughs> well, well, now, um, Contraman Ali, uh, you do a lot of reading with geomancy. You're just not mm-hmm. the only reading you do on the show that when you're uh, co-hosting, but you do it a lot, and people often ask, what is geomancy? So I'm going to ask Nagashiva to start putting through a couple of links so people can kind of catch up with us. And um, the first link is to um, Wikipedia. Wikipedia has a pretty good article on geomancy. It's uh, detailed. It's got its own attitude, of course, but it's a pretty Mm. good one. And also Wikipedia, there's an article called Geomantic Figures, and this is about Mm. the the figures used in geomancy. Now, uh, that is the shapes. This would be equivalent to the astrological signs. It would be equivalent to the tarot cards, the actual things that you're looking at. So one is about the theory, one is about the shapes and what they mean. And then the third article that I wanted him to uh, put through is um, from readers and root workers. Um, And this is the article that you, Contraman Ali, yourself wrote for the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers AIR site. Okay. 
Now, we're going to have you talk about it, but I want people mm-hmm. to be able to have these links. I see that Shiva has jumped ahead and is putting through all these books, which I guess I can't stop him now, so keep on going. Um, we also have a list of four books about geomancy. I was going to get to them later, but um, because I don't want people to leave this show and immediately go buy the books, but... There are four important books that are available in English now. There are many, many books on geomancy, but I would say that these are the four that have Mm -hmm. the highest ratings at Amazon. And the first one is Geomancy in Theory and Practice by Stephen Skinner. Now, Skinner is an academic and and a historian, and his stuff is very good. The book, unfortunately, is an $88 hardcover. You might be able to get it cheaper, but you really have to be committed to want that book. It's very good. The next book is called The Art and Practice of Geomancy, Divination Magic, and Earth Wisdom of the Renaissance by John Michael Greer. John Michael Greer is a friend of ours. He's a graduate of my course, a very Mm -hmm. well-known writer. And this is an overview. He really talks about geomancy from the European Renaissance point of view, and we'll get into what that is as opposed to the Arabic point of view in a moment. The third book is, oh, and that one is available um, at a at a very reasonable price. It's only $19. And uh, the third book is Geomancy, A Method for Divination by Franz Hartmann. And that's even cheaper because it's in the public domain. It's a $15 book. And it was originally printed in 1889. And it's in the public domain. And you can find it online for free if you want. It, Google Books and other places have free copies of it. Franz Hartmann And he's notable for having been a doctor who was also interested in magic. And he wrote a number of books on magic. And he's uh, theoretically said to have been one of the founders of the OTO, or Ordo Mm Temple Orientis. And um, he was an occultist. And this book of his was my first introduction to uh, geomancy. I still have Mm -hmm. a first edition copy. And it's it's a very good book. And um, the translation uh, to modern reprint form has you know is useful but you can get it for free so you don't really need to get that modern reprint and then the fourth book is geomancy for beginners simple techniques for earth divination by richard webster richard webster is a new zealand author who's written on many many subjects um, mostly for the llewellyn for beginners series Mm -hmm. and these for beginners books we carry many of them including geomancy for beginner at our shop these are simple introduction books. The ranking is not as high. People say, well, but it's just for beginners. You know, Well, that's what it says on the title. So to see a poor review because it says for beginners and is for beginners is a little unfair. If you don't have any knowledge, it's a good place to start if you don't want to plunge into Franz Hartman or Stephen Skinner. John Michael Greer is much more advanced, more like Hartman and Skinner, but it's... Um, a very widely available book, also very accessible. I happen to like Webster's book, even though it has a lower ranking at Amazon, because you don't invest too much in it. It's a $15 book, and he kind of walks you through it really step by step. So having said all of that, now I'm going to turn this over to Contraband Ali. But I wanted all of the people listening to know that, that we do have, if you go to the chat room or the chat log after the show is over at the forum, forum.luckymojo.com and you look up this show which is August 5th, 2018 you'll find that little bibliography when you wanted to bring it along for you. Okay, take it away Contraman Ali. It's all yours. Thanks, Kat. I think that's a fantastic I- introduction and I'm 
lucky to be speaking with both of you, uh, Madam Nadia and Ms. Kat, because both of you are very familiar with geomancy at some level. Um, but it is a weird kind of obscure divination that not everyone knows about. The irony being that geomancy is actually probably one of the most popular divination practices for hundreds of years, particularly in Europe and still very much uh, in the Middle East. It was considered to be astrology's a stepson or, or a stepchild. Um, everyone who did astrology also did uh, geomancy. So to kind of start, when we say geomancy, what do we mean? Uh, we refer to a particular type of divination that originates with making lines and dots in the sand or in the dirt. This is done at random, and then they're counted and based off of a kind of a binary model of ones or twos, odds and evens, you create figures. So, for example, you've created an even number of dots, then that means you make two dots. If you've created an odd number of dots or lines, you then put one dot. And you do this uh, 16 times, results in kind of four figures. Those are known as the mothers. From the mothers, you then produce the daughters, from the daughters you then produce the nieces, and from the nieces you produce the witnesses, and finally the judge. And this is done by recombining all the figures. So adding them up together, and again using that kind of binary model of odds and evens to recreate it. In this way, geomancy is a kind of fascinating self-correcting format. If there's an error somewhere, you can see what you've done wrong. Like, okay, I miscounted you, or whatnot. And what ends up happening is you get this chart. And this chart tells you everything you need to know, but at its heart is a yes or no question. It says, will I get this job, yes or no? You can then take those figures and apply them to an astrological chart to get even more detail. So it's a very simple form of divination that you can do anywhere. I'm quite notorious at work. Um, I work at the university as an academic that when people are speaking to me, I'm often writing. And what they don't know is I'm actually making geomantic charts to check things. So they say, oh, I heard so-and-so is, is getting fired. And I'm like, oh, well, that's new, so let's check if so-and-so is getting fired. And as they're talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a true rumor or a false rumor by checking the third house. So this is something that I do quite frequently. It's actually one of the secrets of my success, if you will. Um, I am where I am today because I use geomancy as frequently as I do. But it also, be, despite its kind of simplicity, lines, dots, pieces of paper, dirt, etc., it's really deeply complicated and uh, reveals a great deal of, of information. There's two branches of geomancy. As you've rightly pointed out, there is the European branch, which, started, which took the, uh, translated the information during the Renaissance, it became very popular, Cornelius Agrippa practiced it, Peter Diabano practiced it, and so on and so forth. This is accessible vis-a-vis -vis the books that, that were mentioned. Then there is another branch, a slightly older branch, which is the kind of original geomancy, called Khat al-Ramal, that is, uh, lines in the sand, or ilm al-Ramal, the knowledge of the sands. Um, and that is Arabic slash, or Middle Eastern slash uh, North African. And that one's a little bit more complicated. It has a lot of the similarities with the European tradition, but it's also rooted in an oral practice. That is, it's taught from teacher to student. I'm known for doing tarot readings for my hoodoo clients. It's what I learned from my instructor. The earliest divination I learned was dream interpretation followed up by geomancy. And so geomancy I've been doing for so long, and it was taught to me by a teacher. 
And the reason why it's passed down is that there's a series of kind of licensing that you need to do in Arabic geomancy in order to become a geomancy. You have to pass a series of tests. Can you locate a hidden object? Can you find a thief? Uh, can you uh, determine what day this package will arrive? And so on and so forth. But they also involve a series of memorization. So, for example, we find in, in Arabic geomancy that the figures are also associated with stories, stories that are sometimes biblical, sometimes Quranic, sometimes related to folk practices. I'll give you a, a real quick example of this. There's a figure known as populace, which is a, a, a figure that means population or crowd. In Arabic, it's known as jamaat. Whenever you get that figure, it's actually associated with the story of Moses and al-Siddur, Moses is a biblical figure, famous figure of uh, Jewish liberation, frees the Jews from, from Egypt. At one point, there is this folk story in the Arabian world in which Moses asks God for wisdom. And so God sends him to Al-Khidr, this man known as the green man. He's kind of this weird mystical figure. And so Moses goes, can I be your student? And Al-Khidr goes, okay, but you're not allowed to ask me any questions whatsoever. Moses goes, no problem, dude. And they go on their journey. They end up on a boat. These nice fishermen, they offer them a ride. Al-Khidr gets off the boat, breaks the boat in half of his staff. Moses is like, what are you doing? It's insane. He's like, okay, no question. So they go across to, to this uh, village, and they find this village, and they find this young boy sitting out, and, and he's playing. And this boy, Al-Khidr takes his staff, kills the kid. And so Moses goes, what are you doing? You just killed an innocent child. And Al-Khidr goes, don't ask me any questions. And finally, they arrive in this village where the villagers are cruel to them and rude to them. And what does Al-Khidr do? He rebuilds their wall. At this point, Moses goes, I don't get what you're doing. This makes no sense. And Al-Khidr goes, you can no longer follow me. But I will tell you that you lack the wisdom to see. The boat that I damaged, I saved from being conscripted into the army of an unjust ruler who was going to take their boat and the men. The child that I killed was going to grow up to slaughter millions of people. I saved them from that. Those cruel villagers don't know that underneath their wall was hidden treasures. I rebuilt it so that it may pass down to the orphans that actually deserve it, not to those cruel children. So in other words, the story is about that not everything is what it seems. And so as a geomancer, mm -hmm. when you get that figure, you would recite that story to the person uh, as a sort of wisdom passing on. These are kind of the elements of Arabic geomancy that we don't often see when we talk about uh, uh, geomancy more broadly. The other stuff, predicting the futures, yes or no, those are all very easily available via the books that, that you mentioned. But this other aspect, it's a longer tradition and far more complicated and takes quite a bit of a person-to-person <laughs> -person learning. Wow. Well, wow. I, I'm, going to jump, I'm going to jump in with just a little comment here, too. Um, mm -hmm. Because of the mathematics of Rommel, uh, yeah. or uh, Kat al-Rommel, the there is up to be a relationship with um, Ifa and yes. with Hakata and with other 16-based um, mm -hmm. divinations from sub-Saharan Africa. And depending on which side of the um, academic fence you are, which really often has to do with which nation you were raised in, mm -hmm. um, there is a thought that Arab traders brought the Rommel system down to sub-Saharan African people, and they adapted it. They didn't use the dirt. They used little shells or nuts or mm -hmm, something or mm -hmm. little uh, sticks mm -hmm. instead. The other theory is that Africans were 
had this already, and Arabs came down and said, oh, well, we'll take it. Oh, but we don't have these nuts. We'll just draw dots in the sand. Yes. So everybody claims it, but, this, but the, um, the mathematical system is very similar. It mm-hmm. is similar, too, because uh-huh. it's binary, and people always ask, is it like I Ching? Yes, mm-hmm. it is, except for one big difference. In I Ching, the binary system is comprised of six lines, but mm-hmm. in geomancy, it's comprised of four lines. Therefore, you'll end up with a different total number of outcomes and, and a lot of different ways of dealing with it. However, in Arabic geomancy and also Renaissance geomancy, you then apply those to different things like an astrological house chart, yes. or you might apply it to what's called the shield uh-huh. chart, which is unique to geomancy, and those then are like a layout. They're like a tarot layout mm-hmm. or a card layout or a Lenormand layout, and whatever layout you use for those will get you a different a way of um, connecting and relating the uh, figures to one to another, but they each do have a meaning, so they are equivalent to your tarot cards or your playing cards. Mm-hmm. There's one other but, question I'm always asked, and I'm just going to quickly answer it. Is this the same as feng shui, which is also called geomancy? Yeah. And the answer is no, no, no. Uh, geomancy means divination from the earth, and feng shui is actually a system of terraforming or remaking the earth and placing mm-hmm. things correctly for a spiritual, aesthetic, philosophical, Taoist way, and it is not a divination system in particular, unless someone says, gee, my house seems really ugly and awful, and I have these bad feelings whenever I go into this room. A feng shui person can determine what mm-hmm. rules of feng shui were violated and how they can be remediated, but it has nothing to do. It's just a bad English translation. So many people use the word geomancy to refer to Chinese feng shui. But now Chinese mm-hmm. people stand up for themselves. They say, don't call it geomancy, call it feng shui, and literally mm-hmm. uh, have taken back the word feng shui for themselves. So that's it's not feng shui, mm-hmm. nor is it ley lines or energy mm-hmm. lines or dragon lines or any of these other new age concepts, nor ley lines, which is a prehistoric European. Mm-hmm. It's none of those things. It is Okay. There has been that. some attempts. That's a, a really good point, and I should point out that um, you're absolutely right. That a lot of uh, historians are now arguing, or at least seeing, I think, the evidence indicating that the binary system likely came from from sub-Saharan Africa. We see those systems around for a long time because there is a lot of similarity between Ifa and Hakata with geomancy. What Arabs likely did is they borrowed that system but applied it to astrology because we don't find a lot of astrological mm. connections to Ifar Hakata, but we do see a lot of it in Arabic Hatal Ramal. So what likely happened is the fusion of kind of Greek uh, astrology with African uh, divin- binary divination fused together to give us kind of uh, geomancy. And there are nowadays some uh, modern geomancers that try to associate the figures with uh, ley lines or earth energies and, and things of that sort. In traditional astrology, the figures are actually associated with spirits. And these are usually jinn, some are celestial spirits, some are astrological spirits. But they're each considered to be kind of living beings with their own story to tell, with their own magic associated with them, with their own talisman associated with them, with their own prayers and words of power that are associated. So they're a little bit in more along the lines of, say, the tarot in that they act as a, as a sort of spiritual placeholder, less so um, a sort of a manifestation of earth energy lines. I'm sure people can can find them some truth in that as well. But for me, the way I was taught is they're spirits. Certain configurations mm-hmm. you get represent certain jinn. 
And that means, okay, that jinn needs to be placated or that jinn needs to be summoned or there's this problem here. And depending on which chart you use, if you use the shield chart, that gives you a kind of basic yes-no answer. If you use the astrological chart, that gives you a more in-depth life path. You can even do a life reading on that. In that way, geomancy is very much associated with astrology. You can do an easy yes or no with astrology, hoary astrology, or you could do someone's life reading doing a natal astrological reading. So they're very much related to one another. And both have gone through this process of trying to scientifically explain them, but at their heart have been associated with spirits and and their world. Yeah. There's another one I'd like to mention that Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to mention that the first time that I got a reading from Conjurman Ali is indeed a reading that um, he gave me the gene that was associated with my reading. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really, really amazing, and I've never um, seen anyone do that. So that was quite quite incredible. And, I, um, you know, there's other geomancy readers out there, but I don't believe that anyone um, is doing anything like that. So that's, that's quite cool to, to have, like, you know, your own deity that comes with your own reading. Yeah. Yeah. See, and this is, I mean, I really would like to see you do a book that, from the Arabic perspective, because most mm-hmm. people who are of, uh, you know, European descent know of this through uh, the Renaissance pickup mm-hmm. of it during that time period when Arabic and uh, European Christian uh, cultures were mingling somewhat. I also do want to give a shout out to Les Cross and his system mm. called Astro Gems. And this is a, a hybrid system that he created totally out of his own head in which mm-hmm. he uses stones because the stones are, these would be like what we would call tumble polished stones, rocks, they are related to certain planets, certain signs of the zodiac, and a certain emotion state. And he does a chart, which uses a mm-hmm. little, um, it's an astrological geomancy, but he uses these gemstones to, get a, to build up a very complex picture. And his mm-hmm. book is called Astro Gems, and it's, it's really a reader's technique for doing a beautiful layout. It's a layout system on a table, with a, he even has a casting cloth that he sells, and it's based on this. And also, there are different kinds of ways to to make these um, figures. The most old-fashioned way is dots. You let the subconscious mm. go. You let the dots go in the sand, or you have the client make the dots. You don't tell them what how. You just make sixteen rows. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about it. And um, they do it, and then the geomancer works it out. But there are also what we would, might call mechanical tossing methods, and one of them is uh, marketed under the name of Fiddland Sticks. And these are wooden sticks which either have a single dot or a double two dots, one on one side, one on the other. And you just throw these sticks, and it's like uh, you'll you'll make the figure will show up. And Shiva put um, some pictures of those through. You can see them at the air. Um, page, the air page on Geomancy, there's little lavender mm-hmm. um, uh, cabochon cut stones in the wood, in the oak wood. They're very useful if you want to do very. it on a table, if you want to be a reader uh, at a like at a psychic fair. In other words, you don't have to have just a box of sand, but the way I first was introduced to it was through old postcards. It was a very mm-hmm. popular topic when uh, military or, or uh, naval personnel would go to um, Africa, uh, North Africa, they would always get their sand divination done. And there are many yes. old photos yes. 
of people crouched in the sand, the guy in a you know you know American sailor's uniform, kind of laughing and smiling with his buddies, and there's the 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 Arab making the little dots in the sand. Mm-hmm. So it was very common all through the 20th century and has been photographed and memorialized a great deal. And yet, like many cultures that we tend to deprecate, its Arabicness has been deprecated in favor of its Renaissance-ness, if you know what yes, I'm saying. Very much so. And even you, yeah. Molly, you use the Latin names populist. I do. You don't use the Arabic name. <laughs> very true. That's because uh, when yeah. I, if I say, for example, Jamaat, no one knows what I'm saying. But if I say populist, all the humans just go, ah, yes, I know what figure he's talking about. So I've had to, in fact, I actually, um, uh, you know, have to mention that our dear friend, uh, the beloved Dr. E, we actually talked about this once because he, he was coming down for a while and learning geomancy for me. And I remarked to him that when I started doing geomancy for the public for more of an American or so-called Western audience, I actually changed the way that I drew the figures. In traditional Arabic astrology, the way I used to draw is that for a dot, you make a dot, but for two dots, you make a line. So geomantic figures are dot, line, line, dot, things like that. But when I started mm-hmm. doing this for the public, a lot of people who were interested in geomancy and had some knowledge because they had read some of the books were like, I don't recognize that figure. So I had to literally change the way I did it so that I would be more, oh, I know what that is. That's Carcer. Oh, that's popular. Similarly, I changed the way that I say the names. When I do this for my actual Arabic clients who do, record, you know, do this work on retainer, I have a bunch of uh, sort of business clients that, that often come and ask me to do geomancy readings for it. I, go, I revert right back to my traditional learning. I'm referring to Jama'at. Mm-hmm. I'm referring to the figures. So you have to you know, mm-hmm. know, to, know your audience uh, a little bit in that regard. Um, uh, as you mentioned, that there are kind of ways of casting the chart that don't involve sand. Uh, people can do it with pen and paper. It takes a little bit. Some people carry out small wax tablets. The way I do it on the show, if you listen closely, is I actually throw what are known as rumble dice. This was an invention by the Persians uh, who, who said, you know what, making lines is tedious, so let's make this simple. And it's a, a four special dice um, that are connected by a rod through their middle, and you rub them, you can hear it, you can rub them between your fingers, and then you cast them, and the dice then gives you odds and evens four, and you just create a figure from that. You just cast it four times. When I do this, uh, for example, when I went to the Hudu Heritage Festival and I did readings, I would have people toss the dice simply because it shortens them having to do 16 rows of dots and lines sitting there. Mm-hmm. So rather than, than kind of do that, we use the, the Rommel dice. Maybe I'll take a picture of these. But they're quite wonderful, and that's another way that kind of geomancy has evolved. Still rooted in the binary system, but not everyone's walking around with boxes of sand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there are there are other um aspects of relationship between the uh, meaning of these um figures and mm-hmm. the the signs of the zodiac. Can you talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So each one of these these kind of figures are associated with both a planet as well as associated with um a zodiac figure. So when you can this is a way of kind of both understanding the nature of the figure that appears, you know, a certain figure appears, you go, okay, well, that's the and that's the kind of symbol of this this uh, uh, zodiac. But it also helps you narrow down if you're trying to ask questions like, who is throwing from you? Who's casting curses? And a figure appears, you go, okay, well, that person is a Taurus, or that person is a 
is an Aquarius or that person is something or another. So the zodiac signs help to narrow it down. Now, you can also go even further. You can get the zodiac sign of that person. But then you can recast the chart asking for the name, and you can get three letters of their name. Um, so it, it gets quite detailed. Oh. One of the cool things about uh, geomancy is that it is so detailed. Right? There's every figure, even though there's only 16 of them, is associated with a number, associated with uh, some form of astrological knowledge, that is the uh, uh, planetary sign, zodiac sign, associated with herbs, roots, minerals, uh, even body parts. So you can do di- sort of diagnosis and be like, okay, well, this person has cursed you and they're working on your head. Or this person has laid something down and it's affecting your feet. Or I see that this is an illness of the heart. So all of this is kind of associated with, in addition to having a spirit associated with it, a story associated with it, and even a sort of uh, treatment uh, associated with this. And this is, I think, in many ways, the way the traditional, and I, I want to ask both of you if you would uh, acknowledge this or, or if you think this is accurate, the kind of older divinatory systems are rooted more and more in, or I think rooted definitely in some form of diagnosis. So when you look at things like yeah. astrology, when you look at things like I Ching, when you look at things like geomancy, there's a diagnostic component to it, like trying to figure out what went wrong and then correcting it. It's slightly different. You can do that. You can absolutely do that with the tarot. But the tarot is a little bit more oriented towards telling a story, right? Okay, this is mm-hmm. what happened in your yes. relationship. Uh, Whereas geomancy is more uh, like, ah, here is the source of your problem. This is how we need to get to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that true. And astrology also, although modern astrology is more about character analysis, older astrology it is about yeah this you know you were cursed by a dark-haired man who was born in the sign of Virgo or whatever mm-hmm, you know exactly it's pretty, mm-hmm. it can be it can be very exacting um and but you know with geomancy those kinds of associations i'm curious now you brought up something here about associations with numbers with herbs with body parts mm-hmm. and colors and and elements you know the greek elementary system these are all related you know connected to each other I'm just curious, are the body parts the same as those which would be found astrologically? Yes, yes. That's where they come from. So from the head the on astrological down to the feet, they come from. So, got exactly. it. Okay, that's, good. that's good news uh, for me. I don't have to memorize another system. No. This, if you memorize <laughs> astrology, geomancy is actually very easy. So you get cursor, it's attorney, and you know it's bones, right? Like, so there's or bones or feet, right? So like, this, is, this is very much astrology fused onto geomancy, and you can see where that kind of history of these two kind of traditions interacting with one another and developing. So if you've got the, the astrological, uh, uh, you know, associations memorized, you're halfway there. You've got a few more, mm-hmm. but you, you're halfway there. I see. And I, 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 have, I have a question, too, real quick before uh, we need to continue. Would you recommend people use single symbols um, as almost talismanic uh, empowered symbols, like let's say wounds, or like we were talking about, like association for the feet or the legs, or maybe right. somebody has some heart issues. Would you say write that symbol and then on the other side write yeah. the petition? Is that something that would be traditionally used? I would yes. The geomancy figures are used in talismans a lot. I wouldn't recommend doing it right off the bat. I think. 
anyone can do a, a geomancy. I think it's wonderful. It's accessible to everyone. Once you learn the system, it's great. I think there's certain aspects of it that require a little bit more learning, and the use of talismans in particular is one of them because there's a way of making – there's nothing to say you can't put a figure on, on a talisman. That, you know, go wild, go nuts. But the traditional way of doing it involves actually reworking the chart. So there's a way of kind of what's called a fate healing, not F-I, not, not F-A-I-T-H, but F-A-T-E, fate healing. That mm-hmm. involves like actually reworking the figures and charts to get what you need and then using that as a talisman or a tasakin or tawi. So there's a kind of different way it's done in, in Arabic astrology. But I know, for example, Madam Nadia, you use cards that sometimes have geomantic figures on them. So I don't see why mm-hmm. not using those cards that can be transformed into some type of talismanic work. Yeah, that's, but I see what you're saying about also, things. Yeah. That, that's also similar to astrological remediation yeah. techniques where there's a bad aspect on the chart and then you come up with something that um, resolves that, you know, that problem. By make, and make a yeah. talisman that represents that. Yeah. Uh huh. That's exactly, very cool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be. You can easily write the planetary figure or the zodiac sign on a candle and light a candle. Well, that's one way to do it. But the kind of traditional astrological remediation involves a little bit more work. There's a sort of science behind it, so that it's not like, oh, you know, I've, I've got an issue here. I'm going to draw Saturn on a black candle and light the black candle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, folks, that was our introduction to geomancy by Conjure and Ollie. And I could have asked many, many more questions. I'll tell you, there's a lot here and a lot to learn. But uh, check out all the resources we gave you. And you heard it here first in the chat room. Um, we hope that Conjure and Ollie will write a book on it. He says he intends to. Let's hope he does it someday. Too. Someday. From an, from, from an Arabic perspective. All right. Let's turn this over to Papa Newt. He's going to bring our readings in, and we're going to t- do some readings for clients. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Madam Nadia, and this week's special guest, Conjurman Ali, will be right back. We'll be taking from our listeners, answering their question through spiritual definition and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo at form.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone dialing. 818-394-8535. A questionnaire at the form, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we would like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, pop in and read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. And our first caller is a return caller that uh, that did call in about uh, the end of 2017, and it looks like their situation has changed, which is wonderful to hear. Uh, this is from area code 919 in North Carolina. Tia, Tia, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to the show. It's good to have you back. Thank now, you. Now, uh, oh, you're very welcome. Now, for this particular uh, 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 reason you're calling, you have not had any other readings or gone to any other root workers? Nope. All right. And Tia writes, I just want a general reading. And <laughs> turning back to you, Ms. Okay? All right, Tia. Um, well, that's a that's an easy um, 
question and a hard answer because I am going to ask you a couple <laughs> of questions about yourself. Um, what sign of the zodiac are you, Tia? Capricorn. Capricorn, all right. And um, about how old are you? 27. 27. Well, you see, I knew I'd get an answer that would be meaningful if I asked that question. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so you're a Capricorn, and you um, are 27, which means you're going into your Saturn return. And I'm going to say something. You may not listen to the show all the time, Tia, but for those who are consistent listeners, can I get a witness how many people call us during their Saturn return? Isn't that amazing? Oh yeah. Uh, amen. Can, can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Uh, it, it, if if we did a bell curve, Tia, of people who call us, that would be the spike on the bell curve. Twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine years old. We don't know why, but it is a time of your life when Saturn, the planet of limitations and also of steadiness, and also the ruler of your sign, Capricorn. When it returns to the position it had on your birth chart, it just takes that long to go around. It's called your Saturn return. If your Saturn was well-aspected, it's a very easy return. If your Saturn was poorly aspected, it's going to be a negative time for you. And it's a time when people move from, what, they, of course, their past childhood. They're already Some of them already have children. Some of them already have found their career. But something happens. At that time, when people reach out and say, could I get a reading? I need some reassurance here that I'm on the right path. Do I need to redo anything? Do I need to change course? Um, uh, Have I entered just a temporary rough patch? Is this going to work out? Um, Are my hopes going to be fulfilled? You You are the right person at the right time. Now, you're a Capricorn, and I'm going to tell you something I know about Capricorns. There are several times that Saturn returns in your life, depending on how long you live. And Capricorns are people whose lives get better as they get older. Um, Capricorn is the sign of a, yes. an, a old, an older, wiser person. So whatever you're going through right now, I will give you the reading, but whatever you're going through right now, just be assured that um, there's going to come a time when you're going to look back on all of this at your second Saturn return and go, ah, I get what she said. Just remember that. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to put down. I'm going to put down three cards, and um, and we're going to see what we have. Um, okay, the first card I have for you is the Five of Wands. So this is a card of five people with sticks. Um, wands are like clubs or sticks, and they're hitting at each other, uh, but no blood is being shed. Nobody is um, being harmed. There is some conflict. Some people call it a play fight or a mock fight, preparation for perhaps a real fight, but I don't usually see it that way. I see it more as words rather than um, anything damaging. There is some conflict around you. There may be some negative um, people around you who um, themselves are gossipy or conflicted. Uh, You might find yourself being kind of at the center of this. You can also walk away from it if you want to. It's not harmful to the greatest extent. It's not going to ruin your life. But any conflict that you're in as you're going into the Saturn return period, people who you don't like, unfriend them. Just let it go because there's nothing to be gained by this card. Five of Wands is never a card of gain. It's always a card of just getting, you know, slightly bruised is what we would call it. 
Um, the next card I have for you is the Ace of Pentacles. So this is a card that shows the hand of God holding a big coin of money out over a garden. And the garden has little white lilies growing in it and a path through it. And there's a hedge all around the garden. And the hedge is made of red roses, which have thorns. But they also have beautiful blooming roses that smell nice. So this is about protecting your inner child, if I wanted to look at it in a sort of a new age way. We could also say you are about to leave the garden of childhood. And there is no fence or gate, just this hedge with an arch. There's nothing to block your way to leave that garden. And um, the hand of God holds this big coin. It says that money will be given to you or a talisman of some sort. It can be either a coin or a talisman that will help you on your way. There's a gift to be given to you. Sometimes it's an inheritance. It could be a lottery win. It could just be a credential that you earn. But something is going to be presented to you, and it will allow you to move beyond the little garden that you're in, which is pleasant enough. The path leads on, and through the arch of roses, we see mountains, very pointy mountains, like the Sierras or the Rockies or the Alps or the Himalayas, very pointy mountains. And this is the upward path. This is the path to your goals, whether these are goals in love or goals in career. You will be leaving a situation in which you were um, treated well but somewhat confined or you're going to strike out on your own. Some people say it can mean travel to the mountains. That's a very literal way of looking at it. I would say it can be travel to a higher uh, interest you have, whether it's in love or career. It's certainly uh, a sign that you are ready to uh, go to the next step in your life, which kind of goes along with this Saturn return, although this card does not implicate Saturn in any way. It just is, it's a nice card. Uh, when I see this card, I always recommend that you might carry a talisman or a charm with you because that's what this card seems to represent to me. And um, the third uh, card I see for you is um, it's a, another uh, very interesting card. It's called um, The Judgment. And it shows the angel Gabriel blowing a trumpet. But uh and the dead come back to life. The people come out of their coffins and they raise their hands and they look up to heaven and they see this angel and they praise God and they say, wow, we have a new chance. Something new is going to happen. This card scares a lot of people because they associate it with the last judgment, you know, and the judgment meaning you'll be brought before God and your heart will be weighed or whatever. But this is really a card of renewal. And so it tells me here that... Um, some of the conflict that you've seen around you, you have the means to journey on to a higher place, but also you have the means at the present time to rise up. And one of the other things that's in this card, there's a, a, for each, there are two family groups, and each family is a man, a woman, and a child. And I sometimes say to people, this might involve more than just you. In other words, you might be with a group of people. It might literally be a family. You might have a child. But it's certainly not just that you are going to go through some startling changes and rise up, but you might bring some people with you. And this is a card that also recommends to me that you pay attention literally to music, to song, to sound, because Archangel Gabriel is an announcer. Archangel Gabriel often will announce a birth, and um, it can be 
something of that nature that will be announced. But there will be an announcement made. So that's my reading on this. Um, let's turn this over to Congressman Ali. Thanks, Ms. Gett. That was a, a fantastic reading and a lot of details for just a couple, for a few cards. Um, I want to ask uh, just a real quick question uh, from our from TM. Uh, are you currently in a relationship, or uh, are you looking to be in a relationship? I'm I'm coming out of one. You're coming out oh. of one. Okay, there's a reason I asked that. And do you have any children? Yes, I have two. You have two kids. Okay, this this is why this shows up in your chart quite uh, prominently. Um, so the very first figure that we have here is the figure that represents you, and that is Fortuna Minor. Fortuna Minor is literally the leaving of something that, that is uh, ending uh, and starting something new. It is a change of fortune, but it's not a change of fortune that is immediately positive, right? So, for example, leaving of a relationship, that, that's an example of, of a change, but it isn't immediately positive. It can be in the long run. Now, Fortuna Minor passes into the sixth house. The sixth house is the house of, of health. So be mindful of emotional health here. Be mindful of anything that might hold you back. Be mindful of stress in particular. Um, it looks like this is it'll kind of come upon you. Whether you may feel great now or you may feel stressed, but you're going to have a sudden kind of spell of, of stressfulness here. So be mindful of that because that's going to take an impact. It's going to take a toll on you and and your. Uh, what's going on around you. Now, the interesting news is you say you're coming out of a relationship. Well, I actually see another relationship in your future. And the reason I ask uh, about this is because conjunctio or conjunction shows up in the seventh house, and that is the house of relationships. It looks like there is something quite serious coming your way. It's going to take a little bit to show up, um, but it does look uh, like it is, is coming. So this is probably going to be sometime around early spring of, of next year or possibly as late as summer of next year. But we're looking at a, a several-month span before it finally manifests into a very serious relationship. The thing about conjunctu is not only is it serious, but it usually does mean bonds, formal bonds, either moving in together or marriage or something of the sort. So we're looking at a, a something really manifesting itself in the next year or so. Now, I asked about the children. You said two. Well, there might be a third on the way from this relationship. Just be aware that if you go on any type of long trip journey with this person, if you end up going on a honeymoon, you end up taking a long-distance trip with them, a long distance is anything over 60 miles uh, in geomancy. Geomancy is a very specific definition of it. We have Puella in the ninth house, and that passes into the fifth house. That means the potential to have another daughter. Um, if you oh, nice. have a daughter. So be aware of, of that. That is a, a possibility in, in your future. If you're not interested in having kids, just you know use protection and be safe. But that is the circumstances where, where the conception will happen. It will happen on the trip, and it will be likely, uh, if you conceive, it will likely be a daughter. The life path that manifests here is one that is going to take a little bit. The very first, you know, Fortuna Minor, that's where you're at right now. Things changing. Things will turn around for you around spring of next year when you meet this person. However, along that way, that's a long time away. We're talking several months, almost a full year. What we see is you really trying to deal with restriction. 
And that shows up as Carcer. Carcer is the projection of points or the hidden factor here. And Carcer is ruled by, you guessed it, Saturn. So your Saturn return is going to be about dealing with these restrictions, about dealing with not your life not changing right away. You are leaving something and starting on a new path. You are asking about what does my future look like? What does my general life path look like? Well, your general life path is one in which you're dealing with obstacle, with struggle, with some difficulty and some restriction. That is a period of tension. That tension is going to teach you an invaluable lesson. It's going to teach you and give you an experience that you need. Once it passes, and it will pass, we're looking at a probably a, about six-month time period. Once that passes, things are going to change for the better for you. And that's where I see this new relationship coming into your life and really uh, manifesting in, in, a, in a very palpable way uh, and leading to something lasting, either moving in together or marriage. This is what I see here. The chart is good, but it's one that says be aware of delays, be aware of things that are moving slowly. Um, Miss, uh, Madam Nadia can give you some great work recommendations. I would highly recommend working some, some magic that deals with restriction and opening roads and clearing away the uh, past to help you move to something new. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Madam Nadia. Hi, Tia. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you. I have a, one more question for you before I'm suggesting some root work. Are you planning to move houses or are you living are you staying in the same place where you're living now? I'm moving. You're moving. Are you yeah, moving? I'm moving. To the last pentacles. <laughs> <the last laughs> yeah. yeah. Hold it. Okay. Oh uh, girl. Girl, <laughs> yes. Um and are you do you know if you're gonna be living on a place that's actually on the earth, on the ground, like a house, or is it going to be like a building? Do you have any idea? I, it's probably going to be an apartment. But it's I'm not going sure to yet. be an apartment. Okay. So my suggestion for you um, is um, going to be to, to work with a horseshoe. Now, a horseshoe can be a horseshoe, like an actual horseshoe that you can get and store sell it, or you can go and find one. Horseshoes represent luck and success, and I am um, being strongly guided for you for that because it's also there's some heaviness to horseshoes to um, allow you to stay with your feet on the ground in a way while the changes are happening. What I want you to do with this horseshoe is that first and foremost, I want you to take a red string and I want you to put that red string around the left um, um, wrist of you and your two children for three days, okay? After that, take it off and wrap it around that horseshoe. Now, if you're going to be living in an apartment, what I suggest is that you get yourself a potted plant. And in the base of this plant, you will be actually able to do this, to put this horseshoe. But before you do that, I want you to put, to string those strings from your wrist around the horseshoe as you're praying. I want you to get some oil. I want you to get the lady luck oil and put it on the horseshoe and as you're wrapping the strings and you're praying over it I would say the things that you're invoking so you have you have two kids currently and your strings so three things right so for luck for love and you can add whatever else for help that you want so you're wrapping those things you're putting your lady luck 
oil. I also want you to take a plate, put it over the horseshoe, get yourself a red candle. And on that red candle, you're going to get yourself some road opener oil. Okay? Put that oil upwards on the candle. Put the candle in a candle holder on top of the plate. And with the new moon, a couple of days after the new moon, light that candle. I also feel very strongly that it would be beneficial for you to invoke a female ancestor, somebody, a strong female who was in the family, who is known for her strength, her wisdom, a matriarch, if you will, and pray to her and say that that's an offering for her. And when the candle is done, whatever is left from the candle in that horseshoe, bury it in a potted plant and leave that plant in your new apartment. You can water that plant, but remember, every time that you water it, you can say a little invocation to your ancestress. You can say a little invocation for your good luck. And that is going to be very helpful for you, but also very grounding during times of transition. Okay? And that's, that's my advice. Did you wow. say wrap, wrap the string around what? Around the roof of your kids and then around the horseshoe. So for three days, keep a um, red string around your wrist and one, each one of your children. Put it around their wrist okay. to have their energy in it. And then take it off and put it around the horseshoe. Okay. Yeah, you can, okay. you can look at, if you, if you want to look at how horseshoes are wrapped with red string or red thread, uh, you can go to luckymojo.com, and we have examples. These come from all over the world, but they, it's always red pretty much, and they mm-hmm. will wrap a horseshoe with red thread, pearl cotton, red embroidery floss, mm-hmm. red shiny silk. You don't have to wrap it all, completely cover it tight, like put, put a whole bundle of it, but what she's describing is something mm-hmm. very traditional, very old, to wrap a horseshoe with red thread, right? Okay. Oh, she says in the chat room, I had no idea it was a tradition. Absolutely no well, idea. Now, I just saw it. I just saw it all okay. on top of my head. I have chills. Okay. Either 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 Shiva or um, Papa Newt will find you the Heradura page. Just go to Lucky Mojo. It's Heradura.html. Maybe check it out. She'll post it. They'll Papa Newt or, or uh, Shiva will post it, and you'll see what it looks like. That's wonderful, Nadia. This is so wonderful when you're tuned in. You know, you tune into something that's so old and so <laughs> traditional and you had no idea. Isn't that lovely? Love it. All righty. Okay. Um, so our second caller is going to come up after uh, we have Papa Newt. Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of, of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next client. And our next client is the first-time caller, uh, calling in from area code 312 in Chicago. This is Comfy. Comfy, are you there? Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) 
You're welcome. Now, let's take a look here. You're a first-time caller, but the uh, situation you're calling in uh, uh, today, you have, uh, have not had any other readers or root workers on this situation. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. And uh, let me take a look here. As you write, I would like to know the possibility of having a new healthy relationship with a man. I was in a very long on and off relationship, uh, with, uh, uh, which ended up uh, until July of 2017. Um, the, uh, he broke up with me in July 17, about, uh, about the 15th time, uh, he try, uh, and tried to get back with me for the 15th time in November 2017 after missing his last chance. I told him that it did not want to be with him or anyone for a while so I could focus on myself to the silent hope that we both needed separate, a separate growth for a real relationship later. Uh, he still made advances towards me in April and May uh, of this year, and I still found that he has just lost a baby with someone uh, he is with for, uh, uh, for what I calculate was a possible pregnant uh, while, I, while he was still trying to get back with me. <laughs> Turning back to you, Miss Kat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, honey. Um, that's a very interesting story. Damn, you're lucky you got away um, from that relationship because that's, a, that's yeah. a, a relationship that, although I would not call it a physically abusive or verbally abusive, it is spiritually abusive. Um, this is a relationship that, I mean, when he's, um, wow, you just, you know, whatever. So let's just, I know you wanted to tell us the story of where you came from, but let's see if we can do the story of where you're going. Because, um, you know, as often happens when people uh, call for a reading or when they post in the Lucky Mojo forum where they're asking questions, the first sentence is what you really wanted, the possibility of having a new healthy relationship but then comes how they got to where they are. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Uh, let's hope it never happens again and that you just don't ever run into such a, a bad user and abuser ever again. Now, let's turn this over to um, Madam Nadia, and she's going to do the first reading. Hi, Comfy. Thanks for uh, trusting us with your reading, and I see that you're actually my neighbor. You're in Chicago area code. I'm in your area here, so hey, neighbor. Hello, neighbor. <laughs> Hello. Kelsey, uh, tell me, what zodiac sign are you? I'm a Cancer. You're a Cancer, one of my favorite signs. And um, how old are you, my dear? I'm 24. You're 24, so you are young and gorgeous, and you have time for all new beautiful relationships. Now, I'm pulling cards from a deck that's called Cards of Maria Padilla, which is an um, oracle deck. It's a Pompagira deck. Mm. So it's all about love. It's all about those kind of good stuff. And what I'm seeing here is that I have to warn you because I feel like this man has tied you, tied your nature, and tied your heart. So first and foremost, the cards that I get is um, a rose, and red rose that represents that there are implications here from the past and for the, from the future. I get a red candle. Red candle is a work, spiritual work of spirits that's connected to our realm, 
meaning it could be ancestors, it could be spirits of the dead, but it definitely involves magic. And oftentimes it also involves talismanic work. And then I get the anchor. Anchor has been, tells me that it's been tied. And then I get two more cards. One of them is roses, like a bouquet, and one of them is a cup. A cup tells me that you've been given something to drink. And given something to drink would be a magical drink as well, but also when we ingest sexual fluids and whatnot, that could have implications. And also the roses tell me that it's been done several times. So before moving forward, and I pulled some more cards here to see what's happening, and it's really hard for me. It's like your future is blocked because this man tied you really good, honey. And in order for you to move forward, you got to cut that shit off, baby. You will not be able to move forward. And not only that, you will not be able to have a relationship. You will not be able to have children because you are tied and bound. Now, if I look into what to do with it, and my colleagues are going to make some recommendations, but I would definitely do something with an egg and cleaning or breaking or something. But before I can tell you what's going to happen, I have to tell you that everything that I see is that work that has been bound. And um, you, my friend, will have to do some work to clean that shit up. Now, I'm going to give the stage here to my colleagues to see what they can tell you. Okay? Okay. All right. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So... um... Let's see, Ali. What do you do as? What do you see as a reading here? Yeah, I don't have uh, surprisingly a lot to add to this because I think Madame Nadia quite effectively hit the nail on the head. I pulled a geomantic chart, and it agrees 100% that you were tied. We looked at the seventh house, and the seventh house is Carcer. That is literally a lock, um, a lock that has bound you, and it passes into the third house. Do you have? Anything of this person, a physical object of them, a gift, or something you might have left over in your in your residence? Yes. Yeah, get rid of it because the cursor passes into the third house. The third house is uh, your immediate surrounding. So it tells me that the lock on you is also tied to your house or your property. So that it's somewhere around you. You've got to get rid of it. Any photos, any objects, any old clothes, anything that you might come in contact with or that is, is present in your – it's got to go. Cursor passing into the third, the third house means your own house has become a trap. The binding is in your own home, and so you've got to get rid of that. So any type of work that you do should involve not just the un, undoing of, of it on you but it, on, on your house. Now, there's something I, I picked up while Papa Newt was, was reading this, and maybe I misheard. Um, but you were asking if it's possible to have a healthy relationship almost in the same sentence or perhaps in the same sentence as talking about this guy. Um, and I need to be I – need, uh, maybe I, I need to be 100% clear here. The answer is no. Um, this is mm-hmm. not – please don't associate healthy relationship or any other chances with this guy. Geomantic gives a yes or no answer. And guess what the judge is in the geomantic chart? Carcer again. I mean uh, – Carcer is showing up four different times on your chart saying trap, trap, lock, binding, don't do it. So this is, this is as, as vociferously a no that you can get in a geomantic chart. Do not let yourself fall into that trap. One of the tricky aspects of Carcer is that it's 
self-perpetuating. It repeats itself. This is part of the Saturn return kind of theme, right, is that you end up in the same bad pattern over and over again. And that's what you've got here. You've got a bad pattern that has been enforced spiritually, that is being enforced emotionally, and is being enforced physically with physical objects in your home. You've got to break it at all three of those levels. Emotionally, get rid of this guy. Cut and clear. Do not associate him with another opportunity. You're going to ruin your 20s. Don't do that to yourself. Cut it uh, spiritually. No link to this guy whatsoever. Good, solid spiritual work to break the ties that bind. And you break it physically. You take everything that he's given you, everything in your house that is associated with it. If it's a photo, you, you set that thing on fire if you have to. But to get rid of them. Don't let anything be a residual. Don't let any vestigial item remain uh, in your home because it will link you back then and he will use it as, to, as, a, as a sort of hook to draw you back in. Do not do that. Now, the important thing about this is that despite all the kind of the clear, no, don't do this, run the other direction kind of answer. I, I followed up and I said, okay, well, what can we do to find out? Is there an opportunity for us to find new love going forward? And the answer to this is absolutely yes. So I cast two charts here to take a look to see if there's an opportunity for new love coming your way. And the answer is yes. You're going to meet this other person if you successfully break, break the bonds that bind you. You're going to meet this other person in a public area populace, or to use the Arabic Jamaat, shows up in the seventh house, the house of relationships. You'll meet this person. You'll meet this person likely around December time, maybe November, um, and it will be in a public location. This person will be a mercury sign, and this will be the relationship that will help really heal your heart and help you move on. So that's what I see from my reading. Break the three ties that bond, emotionally, spiritually, physically. By physically, I mean all the objects in your house. Get rid of that shit. Do not associate this person out. Instead, move on. Do the work to help heal your heart and draw someone new. You will find that new person around November and August time in a public setting, some type of party, or can network through some friends, or, hey, I know somebody, etc. This person will be a mercury sign, uh, and, and they will be the, the, the your future lover. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Ms. Cat, who I think is going to give you some really solid root work advice here. You're, you're, being helped by an earth sign, and sometimes we earth signs need to help our wonderful Cancerians who are very gentle and loving and keep wanting to give people multiple sign, multiple chances. So we're going to turn this over to Ms. Cat, who I think will give you some good work advice. Ms. Cat says, at this point, you're probably, gee, I wish I didn't call them. They're so mean about him, and I really just want to have a healthy new relationship with him. And I'm going to be number three. No, 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 no. You are not going to be able to because this guy is a narcissistic user, a spiritual abuser. What sign is he? He's also a cancer. Cancer. Oh, now, this is yeah, that's like very one. interesting. That's why yeah. they're clinging. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jeez. You can, is, yeah, it's not I can helping. tell you, every, <laughs> every sign has bad people. You know what I mean? Not every sign is all good. This guy, but but that's where the clingingness comes from. You're nurturing each other. I, I know this is not what you wanted to hear. You wanted us to say, well, just tweak this little thing, and you're just going to take this little hex nut, and you're just going to tighten that thing down just <laughs> two and a half turns, and then his brain will be fixed. But you're not. It ain't going to happen. This man is um, broke up with you for about the fifteenth time. Forget it. 
forget it. Forget it. So now what we're going to talk about is what can you do to cut and clear? And I think that Madam Nadia nailed it. He has tied you. He may not be, oh, a black magician who, you know, puts potions and powders on you. But you've had some contact with him during a moment of his will. And it could be sexual fluids. That is a very good way to tie. And people find it very hard to break that tie. So I'm going to give you, first of all, a very old method to break a sexual tie. And that is you're going to do um, a kind of a a two-step program here. One is you're going to make a tea, and the other is you're going to uh, do a little bit of bathing. Now, the oldest way to do this would be to go down to a river. But nowadays people go, I can't find a river. And you're supposed to go into the river um, with no underpants on, and you would have your uh, long skirts, and you'd raise your skirts up, and you'd go into the river, and you'd basically um, have a knife, and you would pee, Uh, Standing up, ladies sometimes say, oh, I can't pee standing up. Oh, yes, you can, especially into a river. Don't worry about it. You're going to pee on the blade of the knife. It should be a brand new knife that you um, got for that purpose only. And you're going to pee on it and have it um, split the pee on the knife blade and then um, walk out of the river and throw the knife behind you as you go and go home. That's one way to do it. Another way, but a lot of people say, I can't go to a river. I just can't do that. All right. So another way to do it is to make a tea. And I would use lemongrass and lemon, both lemongrass and lemon. Lemongrass is a, it's not a lemon plant. It just smells a little lemony. And you want to get some lemongrass, also known in Jamaica as fever grass. And um, you can just brew up some tea with that. And then you're going to squeeze lemon into it. And do not sugar it. Do not sugar it at all. There's nothing sweet about this. This is going to be to cleanse you. You can water it down if it seems too strong, but you're just going to drink it. It'll be sour, very sour. And um, you're going to drink that, and you're going to drink oh, three cups of that uh, during the you know course of the day. Well, eventually you're going to pee it out, right? And when you go to pee, you can do it in your bathroom. When you go to pee after having drunk those three glasses, you don't have to drink them right away next to each other. I mean, you can take space them out a little bit, half an hour apart, an hour apart. When you go to pee, you're going to take a knife, again, that you bought, and you're going to split your pee over that knife um, and then flush it. And that's a good way to do it at home if you can't go down to a river, okay? But it's lemongrass and lemon. Now, this will clean out your the sexual tie that he has put on you. There's also the mental tie that he's put on you. You can bathe in lemongrass. In fact, you could start by bathing in it before you drink it. Just make a whole day of lemongrass and lemon. Make, take a lemon scrub, um, maybe a little salt scrub with lemon and lemongrass before you even drink the, the lemon tea. But these are old remedies to clear your system of something that was put on you. Then the other thing that you were told by Ali and Nadia alluded to it too, things that he gave you, you will have to burn those things. Um, You can, uh, maybe they're precious. Maybe some of them are precious and some are not. If you feel that you are ready to move on and find new love, you're just going to want to burn those things. Get an old cast iron pot and you can burn them in that pot. And, um, you can throw a little Florida water into it and uh, and set it on fire. Don't put too much Florida water. It'll make too much flame. But just a little bit. Um, then you can take the ashes and everything and scrape that out and carry it to a crossroads and throw it into the crossroads, uh, saying let the cars that drive by and the people walk by carry all this detritus, this 
this leftover relationship stuff, let them carry it hither and yon all over the world until its energy is dispersed. Or you could carry it to a graveyard, the ashes and soot from the, from the pot, wrap it up in a little piece of cloth, carry it to or paper, and carry it to a cemetery and bury it in the cemetery. Let this be the death and the end of our relationship. There's many ways to do it, but you have to do the work. It's not the kind of work you can hire someone to do because they don't have all the things that you have. So any little uh, stuff of his, you just got to get rid of it because you will come back to it again. You could bathe in the in the uh, lemongrass and lemon. You could drink the lemongrass and lemon. You could pee in the lemongrass and lemon pee. But mm. in the end, if you don't burn the things, you'll come back to them again and again and again. Okay? He is in charge of the relationship. He breaks up. He comes back. He's wasting your life. Okay? So anybody else have anything to throw into this? The only thing I have to say is just real briefly, the piece of advice. When, when you're in these type of relationships, and I've seen it time and time again, you think you can't be happy elsewhere. That's the trick, right, is you don't think you could possibly find happiness elsewhere. Well, here's the fact. Everything you love about this guy and everything you love about this relationship, all the good things, you can find in another guy with none of the bullshit, with none of the bullshit. So bear that in mind. Um, Thank you. Another thing that I want to say really quickly is that when when you're going to start peeing on that blade and you're going to start feeling stuff falling off of you, off of your heart, and you start seeing clearly, and if you feel like you want to give this this guy a little, quote-unquote, gift back and curse him a little bit, if you have jewelry, like something worthwhile, expensive that he gave you, Pray over it, put your knife over it as if you're cutting away whatever energies are on top of it. And then give it to somebody on the street, somebody who's begging for money. And as you give it to that person, say in your mind, in your heart, to your spirit, as I give this jewelry away, you, whatever his name is, so-and-so, will forever beg for love, but you will never have it. Okay? So if you start doing the work and you start feeling... Like he deserves some lesson in life. Do that. Give somebody the jewelry, they can use it, and then he is going to remember you for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's good. Nadia, Nadia, in the chat room, in the chat room, Nadia said you could use river water to bathe in. You could use the river water to bathe in, and also use river water to make the tea, if you can't feel that you can go naked to a river or lift your skirts in a river. So there are many ways to do this. It's uh, it's an art, not a science. Not one way is any better than the other, but we're going to do what you can make right, right? And I love that idea, Madam Nadia. Make him beg for love. Make him beg for love for the rest of his life. Uh-huh. And let his yeah. Good luck to you, sweetheart, and call us back when you find a new love, because we are sure that was not the one. Oh, and Alchemical Artisans ever says, make sure it's not a polluted river. Well, that goes without saying. All right. So here comes our uh, technical electronic announcement. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, and the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron 
with Elvira Love at Phoenix Lafay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Conjurman Ali of theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. Take it away, Conjurman Ali. Thanks, Papa Newt. Um, so what I am presenting to you all today is a working to reveal hidden enemies. Uh, I do this working for clients. Uh, I have clients do it on their own. It's fantastic. It's simple. It doesn't require a lot of ingredients or extra steps, but it works every single time. I haven't had it fail yet. Um, and this, I think, goes along with the theme of kind of divination slash intersecting with magic slash diagnosis, which I think really is at the heart of, of geomancy. So there is a method to my madness and a reason why I'm, I'm giving this spell and how it ties to geomancy. So what I would recommend is start this working at the new moon. Um, and this is right before the, the new moon starts, so the darker the moon. Start there. Take a piece of paper and write on it, reveal my hidden enemies. Just write, reveal my hidden enemies. Fold this piece of paper, place it in some type of pot, cover the pot with water. Now take a handful of salt and pray over the salt. As you are pure and strong, find my enemies and reveal them. This is really old school hoodoo. I was taught this a long time ago. Miss Cat has mentioned this on the radio show several times. Um, it's an old school working, but here's where there's some slight difference to it. What I want you to do is put the salt in that water, then take some commanding oil and add a couple drops of commanding oil into that water. Bring the water to boil. As you do so, pray over it. Pray that the heat increases on them, that they feel the pressure, that they are revealed wherever they are and uncovered and exposed. Do this for four days, heating up the water, letting it cool. You can add more water and salt as need be if you feel like it's evaporating too quickly. It takes a little bit of eyeballing. If you know what you're doing, pretty easy to do. Um, start that, do it for four days total. On the fourth day, take the piece of paper out of the water, obviously when it's not boiling so you don't hurt yourself, take the piece of paper out of the water and place it on a paper towel and let it dry. It should dry in, in a couple hours, you know, a few. Once you've got the paper all dried out, what I want you to do, if it takes a whole day, that's fine. Take the piece of paper, fold it up, make it nice and small so that it's a small square. Get yourself commanding incense. Get some uh, charcoal, light the charcoal, place it on a heat-proof dish, some type of sensor, a thurible, or a heat-proof bowl will work as well. Mix tobacco, just a pinch of tobacco, in with the commanding incense. Um, I get a lot of my, you can get tobacco from tobacco shops, Lucky Mojo sells black tobacco, uh, really good quality tobacco. Uh, you can mix in with the incense, place this, on, uh, on top of the piece of paper on the charcoal. So the paper is going to burn. You're going to put the incense on top of it, right on top of the ash, and let it burn from the bottom up, calling out to the spirit of truth to reveal your enemies wherever they are. Do this for three days, adding more incense, 
every day. On the third day, take all of the ashes, the ashes from the paper that was burnt, the charcoal that has been burnt down, the uh, uh, incenses that have burned to an ash. Mix this with salt as you pray and shake it up. As you mix this with salt and you shake it up, you shake the bowl, you can do place it in a plate, a bowl, whatever, you should see a letter. That will be the letter of the first name of your enemy. You'll see it. It'll say, it'll say you know, D or it'll say F or whatnot. When you shake up, look, and you'll see the letter. Once you see the letter that you've identified your enemy, now you need to dispose of this ash, ash mixture. Take this to the graveyard and toss over your left shoulder as you pray Psalm 68, 1-3. May God rise up. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. May the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Toss that over your shoulder. Recite that psalm. Walk away and don't look back. You will have revealed your enemy and scattered them to the four winds. Simple working, not complicated. Just takes a couple of days repeating it to build that power and then finally disposing of it and walking away. That's my free spell. Wow. Damn. That's a really, that's a really, really good one. Now, I know there's going to be one question because I've been asked this question myself. <laughs> what if the writing disappears off the paper, Countryman Ali, while you're boiling it? Is it still good? Perfectly fine. Oh, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> but I've gotten that question, too. These yes, yes. Do I need yeah. to do a new name paper? No, you don't need to do it. You've already done it. What if I used really, really crappy paper and it all fell apart? That's okay. Just take what you got, mush it up, mush it up, put it on the paper <laughs> yes. towel, and that works perfectly. Let it dry out. I've done it before where the paper falls apart, and you just, all you do is you wait and you gather up the mushy paper, roll it up into a little neat ball, and place it on the paper towel. It dries out perfectly fine. Right. Or I, you make a squash like a little tablet. Oh, you make um, a little squash like a tablet, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, you know, and, I, and I'll say something else. I'll say, well, next time you do it, you want to get that, you know, that handmade arches paper from the art supply oh, store. Yeah. It, it does yeah. not fall apart when you boil it, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you get some good quality paper, and if it does fall apart, it's not that big a deal. I've done it with uh, paper paper from a paper bag. I've done it from uh, construction paper. I've done it regular paper, line paper. I've done it fancy paper mm-hmm. that I got from an art store. All of it works fine. The quality of the paper is less important than what you're doing to that paper. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And unless you have, if you know that your uh, your enemies are really shitty, you might actually use toilet paper because you decide that this is what they deserve. So, but I would not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, um, I was I was told a, a similar uh, formula for finding an enemy out of several enemies, and you write their names mm-hmm. and then you boil them. And uh, but the lady who told me that was said, use a pencil because you can still read it after it's boiled, whereas the ink is <laughs> dissolved. I thought that was pretty oh. cool. Oh, um, yeah. But that's that's, you know, this old lady told me that. There's I'm another sure one that's very similar to this where you write several enemies and you boil them to let them sink to the bottom, but that involves you stirring the water. 
Yes, right. Yeah. Mm. And the one I know is mm. you, you boil them one at a time, and whoever mm-hmm. comes over and asks to borrow salt from you while you're boiling them. That's yes, that's the one that's I know. That's a good one. That's the one that's I know, good. too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, boiling names in salt water is very, very old, and it's, uh, oh, yeah. there are many uses for it. Yeah. I like this one, though. Shake it up and you'll see a letter. That's amazing. All right. Well, we've had a, a day, uh, borrowed electronic equipment. We've, uh, we're um, way up in the mountain hillsides here. Um, and um, I want to thank Conjurman Alley for being our guest. What a lovely guest you have been. Thank you and for I having me. And I want to thank Adam Nadia for being my co-host, Papa Newt, our announcer, Nagashiva on the board. Uh, we're going to let Papa Newt do the final announcements, and then after he's done, we're all going to come back and say goodbye in our own singular ways. Thank you, Miss Cat, and thank you, Madam Nadia, for being our special co-host, and thank you, Conjurman Ali of Conjurman.com and Mission Viejo, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when we'll have another special guest joining us from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, so stay tuned. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Madam Nadia at madamnadia.com in Chicago, Illinois. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk. Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available and archived via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Vaults. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, Papa Newt. And I want to thank everybody in the chat room. Reverend Dr. Sweet. Oh, Nikki Muse. Lady Muse was in the chat. Reiki for Better Living. And, of course, uh, Comfy and Angela L. And uh, Readings by Wen was here. Sterling Winter. Stephanie Kipple. A lot of nice people. A lot of guests who just signed up as guests. Thank you all for coming out <laughs> for the show. And, um, you know, we're uh, going to be back again next week. And we're going to have more good voodoo spells and divination for you and more reading and more root work so until then uh, I guess we're going to say goodbye goodbye